You're listening to the Jay's Journal podcast for Monday night, June the 26th. This is our roundtable preview edition, as I'll be sitting down with three Jay's Journal writers to talk about this upcoming series between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles. In particular, the Jays taking on Gosman, Miley, and Jimenez. Some would argue is much like having your cake and eating it and getting Christmas gifts with loot bags from birthday parties. It holds that much potential possibility for this team to get back on track, especially considering that the Boston Red Sox are waiting in the wings. So without further delay, let's get to the roundtable, introduce our participants, and get things rolling as we set the next series. So now we're going to turn to tonight's roundtable, and I'm pleased to introduce two new members to the roundtable and one familiar name. First, we have Sam Bruce with us and Ben Panikar, both writers with jaysjournal.com. And joining us as well to round out the table is the now ubiquitous Chris Henderson. Gentlemen, thanks for joining this evening. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, so gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have you tonight because this is a bit of a preview roundtable. We have a, a really significant homestand coming up, and I think we all agree this is really the potential turning point for the Blue Jays in a really uneven and largely season. And I, I want to take a look at the pitching matchups and get your thoughts about how the ball should be perceived this time around coming into the Rogers Center, but things haven't been going very well for them. In fact, we've seen some pretty disturbing numbers about the way that their pitching staff has been performing the last 20, 25 games. I want to start with Brendan and get your thoughts on this Baltimore Orioles team that's coming into town starting tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was writing an article earlier today uh, talking about the Orioles in this upcoming series. Um, there was a stretch in uh, this month in June where they allowed at least five runs in 20 straight games. So they flat-out can't pitch. The only thing that sucks is one of the guys who's going, Kevin Gosman, just seems to have the Blue Jays number this year. If you take away his starts against the Jays, his ERA might be closer to seven and a half, eight. So hopefully they can figure out Gosman and then continue to hit Ubaldo and Wade Miley like how they always have. So, Brendan, taking that into account, I'm wondering, should the the fans of the Jays be concerned that we're, we're seeing Biagini now once again thrown into the fire. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, Gibby seems to be incredibly comfortable giving him really tough assignments. What are your expectations about the way Biagini will start the series? I think he'll be fine. I mean, I trust Joe Biagini. Saw him in the wildcard game last year. Basically, any challenge that the Blue Jays have thrown his way, he's overcome. Obviously, he struggled a little bit lately, but uh, his last start was really good. Uh, but as we all know, uh, they've lined up Aaron Sanchez with a rehab start uh, for tomorrow night and I believe, Dunedin. Uh, so, Biagini's turns in the rotation are coming to a halt. His next start yeah. on Sunday will probably be his last, and then he'll head to the bullpen. We hope that. it'll be at last, at least. Yes. Yes, well, Sam, I want to ask you, what, what were your thoughts about the Biagini experiment? I mean, for all intents and purposes, Jay's fans have been... Not really sure what to expect with him. He's impressed at times. There were moments where he looked like he didn't have the composure against major league pitching. How would you rate his performance as a starter, and would you use him or continue to use him at some point in the season as, a, as an option for John Gibbons? Uh, considering that this is his first turn through uh, the rotation, I have to give him fairly hard marks, um, uh, at least a 6 out of 10. He has really performed to the best of his abilities, even on pitch limits and uh, inning counts. It's, it's, uh, 
he's done really well. Um, and I think Blue Jays fans should feel confident that we not only have a solid lockdown bullpen arm, but we have somebody who can come out as a long man or a spot starter if needed, and we're not feeling like it's going to be a lost game. Yeah, luckily, yeah, Blue Genie can give them lots of, uh, lots of innings, and they can use him in pretty much any role. That'll be key, at least until Joe Smith gets back. Well, and I think that's important, too, as we go forward with the rest of the season, because since he's been in, uh, moved to the rotation, we've had various different guys in the bullpen, but we haven't really had a true long man in the same sense of what he can provide. And not that you're going to use him as a long man exclusively by any means. I think he'll end up in several high leverage situations as the season wears on. But uh, I think he's just, um, as um, as Sam was saying, I think you, you have to give him high marks, especially considering that he had to get ready for the rotation without even a, you know, a minor league uh, stint to get his pitch count worked up or anything like that. He transitioned with the big league ball club, never having made a big league start before. And uh, all things considered, I, I think people have to give him a big, uh, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of kudos. Well, and, and some people are tougher than others. I mean, let's just be clear that we now have it on tape that Sam Bruce considers high marks to be six out of 10. I mean, I, I went yeah. on this guy as a teacher <laughs> in high school. Can you imagine? It's okay. It's, impo- it's important. I wish six out of ten was a high mark. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well played. Um, I mean, these pitchers tomorrow are combined five and thirteen with about a five and a half ERA. So there's a good chance that the fans in the evening, for better or for worse, will see a lot of balls flying out of the Rogers Center. Um, do you expect Gibby to make any changes to the lineup for tomorrow's game, or are we going to see what we saw already during the uh, latter half of the Texas and Kansas City series? And Go ahead. Pat with the lineup. Um, it looked really good yesterday. Uh, for the first time, Gibby was able to finally use his lineup the way he wanted it to after the reshuffle. I mean, it's kind of tough. Everybody wanted Russell Martin to bat leadoff, right? Or Jose Bautista couldn't put Martin there because he's catching and he wouldn't be able to lead off every single day out because uh, he would get too days off a week. So him in the second hole, his OBP is almost 380. Uh, Bautista is up around 350 now. They get on base, set table for Smoke and Donaldson and Morales. It's great. Yeah, and I think it's strange because, you know, in the past and especially last year, I've never really been a huge fan of Bautista leading off or um, kind of hitting in that role. And the biggest reason is because I felt it just kind of, it really took away from the length of the lineup. And that's almost sounds silly to say because of the depth of the lineup, but the emergence of smoke this year has really allowed the team to, to use him in a different capacity. If, if you ask me anyway. All right. In addition to that, I think Pilar also has shown that he's better now that he's not a leadoff hitter. He was really struggling there the last couple of weeks as the leadoff man. And even with that Homer, the last couple of days, it's, I feel like maybe he, even he's turning or, to, or turning the corner and being the batter we saw him to be in May. Now, the next game, we've got Wade Miley against Marcus Stroman. And what's particularly interesting about this one is that Stroman struggled enormously in his last game for so many reasons. He had issues with his location. There wasn't a lot of um, synergy between the uh, you know catcher and pitcher the, the way you would normally expect, whether it's Miley or, or Martin catching him. And I believe it was Martin. Uh, I'm wondering, Chris, so what can we expect from Marcus Stroman against Wade Miley in game two? Oh, you know, and I was so disappointed earlier on in the season when the Blue Jays got a crack at Smiley because, to me, he's just the kind of guy that they should just be absolutely teeing off of. Um, you know, Stroman struggled in his last start, but uh, throughout the season I've been impressed with what he's brought to the table, and I really have a lot of faith that he's going to that he's gonna have a great remainder of the season. You know, everybody has their bad days, but in my mind, that game in particular should be a, should be a gimme, and there's no reason that Smiley should should have a good start against a team like the Blue Jays with as many right-handed bats as they've got. 
Oh, I agree. I think every every pitching matchup in this series, the Blue Jays have the advantage, uh, if not just a slight advantage, but they should be able to take all three. All these pitches, uh, all the pitchers that Baltimore's sending out there, if they can win tomorrow and figure out Gosman, they should be able to mash Wade Miley, and then Ubaldo is just garbage. He's uh, he's on the break of DFA, so uh, I see no reason why they can't take two or three. Uh, anything less would be a disappointment. I think they should sweep. They have the clear pitching advantages in all three. Well, and there's a case of, you know, with Jimenez. Uh, I remember not so fondly, there was a lot of arguments going on that the Blue Jays should sign him a few years ago. And there's a case of oh, it's not always, the grass isn't always greener on this side. That would have well, been a sorry, sorry mistake. Oh, absolutely. You ball, though. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Well, and as you mentioned, um, we're talking about an opportunity to really take control of this series. Uh, you beat Gosman, and now you've got an opportunity to tee off against Miley. And uh, Jimenez, you know, sporting a 2017 ERA of 7.26. And and I'm just wondering, um, we all expect him to struggle against the Blue Jays for obvious reasons. But I, I want to start with you, Brendan. you still have any any lurking thoughts about what exactly happened when he was called out against Encarnacion in that and now incredibly fateful at bat, which, which vaulted the Jays into the post. I am, of course, talking about leaving someone on the bench, you know, only the best reliever in baseball in, ex- you know, in exchange for Jimenez. What is it with Buck Showalter that he enjoys using Jimenez this often? And, and what are we missing in our evaluation of him as a pitcher? Why is he still on this roster? He's still on the roster because they have nobody else to turn to. They're just in that, they're just hurting that bad for starting pitching. Even in the bullpen hasn't been as good as last year. The strength of the Orioles has not been the strength of the Orioles this year, which is their bullpen. You know, Michael Gibbons has struggled. Darren O'Day has been injured. Uh, and obviously, Zach Britton has been on the DL for a while. And Brad Brock has actually really started to struggle, too. So, but they just they have no other starting options to turn to other than Ubaldo Jimenez. And that's just the state of the Orioles pitching staff, which is, that's why they've given up at least five runs in 20 uh, ball games in, in, in June. That's a very disturbing stat. That is an incredibly disturbing stat when you consider how important starting pitcher pitching is in the AL East. And we're talking about two baseball clubs that are combined four games under 500. So let me ask you, Sam, do you expect any fireworks in this series? We know how ornery these teams can be. We know how standoffish they've been in the past and the history they have, whether it was with Adam Jones or Darren O'Day. Do you expect any kind of controversies on the field during game time as a result of these two teams underperforming as badly as they have this year? Well, I certainly hope not. Um, I believe the Blue Jays have enough composure to keep it to themselves. But if the series starts going the Jays' way and things, if balls start flying out of the park or if somebody throws behind Bautista and then he launches a bomb off of that, I definitely think the Orioles are going to pitch a fit. We're going from just seven weeks ago that they're the kings of the East, and now they're looking like the worst team in the in the division. Um, I absolutely think they'll try to find some way to get back at the Jays if the Jays grab the upper hand. If there was no animosity between the Jays and the Rangers last week, I think they won't have anything between the Orioles. I think that that's kind of old hat. They both got to win ball games. They both got to climb back into the division race, even though they're only back five games. They, they, they've got to win, so I think there won't be any fireworks at all. You know, I wouldn't and, necessarily and I, call Carlos Gomez's uh, bat flip uh, <laughs> no oh fireworks. My God. The Texas yeah. Rangers are just a whole bunch of like, a bunch of hypocrites. These guys get so oh. mad at everybody for bat flipping, and then they go off and bat flip. Like, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I was I at the opening game and got 
so much ire for wearing Blue Jay stuff. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. As you, as you would, the you are doing. <laughs> you know what? I, I have to disagree to a certain extent, guys. You know, I think, I think Sam, I think it was you that said, uh, you know, as long as they don't throw behind Batista. And if, uh, as much as I love our guys and love our team and, and would like to believe that we have the composure, uh, it wouldn't shock me in the least if uh, all it would take is just one incident and suddenly, you know, in a series this big, especially with the perception of this being such a, an important key series for the Blue Jays and for the Orioles, um, one incident could, could make the difference between silliness and, and composure, if you ask me. I'm speaking with Brendan Panikar. Sam Bruce and Chris Henderson. We're doing a nice preview roundtable with the Baltimore Orioles series tomorrow where the Blue Jays will be sending out Jake. And we're talking about a pitcher that won 20 games last year, was obviously enjoyed by the fans and exalted for his great work, gets off poor start, gets injured, and everyone suddenly lose, loses faith. But now we see that he's rebounding nicely. I want to start with you, Brendan. What are your thoughts on Hap in terms of what he's gone through? And can he be upon the rest of the way to be the half of 2016. 100%. I actually think Jay Happ, the past three starts, is back to being Jay Happ of 2016. Uh, all you have to look at is his fastball. He's locating his fastball, setting up his off-speed stuff. Uh, when he came back for those first few starts off of the DL, um, his fastball command was not even close to what it was, so he couldn't set, off of, uh, set up his off-speed stuff. Uh, and he's, he's hitting 94, 95 on the radar gun, uh, just like he was last year. And uh, by everything the Jays have said, it's uh, all systems go, no pain, no nothing for Jay Happ. So uh, honestly, I would not be surprised if he, for the rest of the year, becomes their most consistent starter. Uh, because I don't know how much we can rely on Aaron Sanchez until we know the blister issue is a thing of the past 100%. Yeah, and I agree. You know, we, we talked about this I think in a previous podcast as well, Ari. I think the key for Happ was the fact that when he returned from the DL, he only got one rehab start. And so for him to jump right back into the rotation because we needed him to at the time, he didn't get a chance to build up his, you know, build up his arm the way that he likely wanted to, or maybe necessarily get the feel back that he wanted before he joined the rotation again. And I and I agree with you completely, Brennan. I think he's back to being to being himself. Whether or not we can expect a twenty and six record again, um, who knows? But uh, I think he's going to be one of our best pitchers, if not our best pitcher, for the remainder of the season too. Agreed. Sam, maybe you want to comment on a question in my head, which is what can fans expect from the bullpen after witnessing a road trip where things really burst at the seams at times, in the blow games especially, the Jays didn't get any relief pitching, and in the close ones they did. So at least we're seeing that a lot of these relief pitchers in, in the bullpen are coming out with, with great uh, focus and, and uh, commitment. But after watching Jason Grilly, for example, and knowing now that Smith is should there be a concern that if the Jays don't get deep quality starts from rotation that they might find themselves really in trouble with the offensive uh, bats of the of the Orioles? Absolutely. I think the Blue Jays have been playing with fire for uh, Ryan Tapera and Aaron Laup. They've been amazing recently, but uh, that's not a uh, that's not necessarily indicative of their careers up until this point. Um, so eliminating Joe Smith and with Joe Biagini still in the rotation, we're back to the situation last year where Roberto Sono is the only real appealing bullpen arm we had for a stretch of time, and everybody else is like, well, I hope they don't screw, about, screw it up in route two, Roberto Osuna. Um, and I, it makes me nervous uh, thinking about a starter leaving in the fourth or fifth inning like uh, happened during the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, right now it's all dependent on how Roberto Osuna is feeling. I know 
uh, what came out, the reason why he wasn't used on Friday was because he's going through anxiety. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a day-to-day thing for the next little while, if as soon as available or not, or feeling okay to pitch. So that moves everybody up to pair into a closer's role or Jason Greeley pitching high-leverage situations. But, uh, hey, all, all I hope for is that uh, Roberto Osuna is uh, getting all the help that he needs to get back to a good state of mind, and then uh, everything falls in place from there. Well, it's really quite extraordinary to consider that the bullpen is missing now pieces like Sparkman and Schultz. Um, you've got uh, Smith on the DL. You've got Howell on the DL. Campos now placed on the DL. Um, last man standing for those left in the bullpen. And I'm thinking the resources that are there will require Gibbons to really use that barnes Tepera combination that's worked so well. And I, I remember in the game where uh, he took out Tepera and ultimately uh, – the Jays lost 5-4 to four to Kansas City. I remember thinking to myself that Gibbons received a lot of criticism for pulling his relievers too quickly. It seems like the fans want him to stick with a decision and hope it works out. Uh, I want to ask you, let's start with Chris. Uh, big believer that you've got to go with your gut instinct on a reliever, or would you rather play by the books, which is sometimes what many managers do. They look and they see that he's more effective on a as a righty as opposed to a lefty, but Gibbons goes with his instinct as much as, as often as he does with the numbers. You know what? I've always been, I've, <laughs> the numbers this year may contradict it too, but I've always been a gut guy myself when it comes to making those decisions. And you have to consider the numbers for sure. But, um, you know, if it wasn't for things like the following your gut and the, some of the decisions that have been made over the last uh, couple of years with regards to the bullpen wouldn't have happened. I mean, at this point it's, um, it's probably his instincts that are keeping Greeley on the roster, and that's debatable whether or not that's a good thing. Um, but overall, you know, I I think he's been a good manager of the bullpen throughout the, his 10 years of Blue Jays manager, you know, this time and last. And uh, it's difficult when guys are struggling. I mean, Greeley wasn't supposed to be like this this season, and J.P. Howell has contributed basically nothing. And now, with, like you said, with the Roberto Osuna situation being up in the air, um, you know, you have to look at the resources that are available and uh, – and sometimes when you're running guys out that shouldn't be in there, like Jason Greeley in a key situation at the moment, then the results are what they are. I don't know why Luke came into the game on uh, Friday night. I think he should have stuck with Ryan Tapera. At that point, after using Danny Barnes, I believe, earlier, Tapera was their best option to close out that game. So I definitely was not a fan of him taking up Tapera when he did. You get beat with your best reliever, you get beat. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I believe Luke was brought in to face a lefty. I could be wrong. Somebody want to correct me on that? But Lupaz actually has reverse splits this year. He's not getting lefties out at all. He's getting righties out, not lefties. So I really don't understand the whole logic behind bringing in Aaron Loop. And then I guess he had nowhere else to go other than to uh, go to Jason Grilly, unfortunately, because Tapera was already out of the game, as was Danny Barnes. Well, yeah, Aaron Lauf has fair. seemingly always been his go-to guy <laughs> over the last few years. I've oh, been very frustrated about Gibbons using Aaron Laup. Yeah, and I, mean, yeah, I guess that's another situation where the where him following his instinct doesn't. I mean, he's performed better. Loops performed much better this season. But uh, yeah, I've, I've often wondered how he's <laughs> he's had as long of a leash as he has too, and that's that's a result of the way Gibbons controls his pen. So there are certainly pros and cons now that I've made a, an argument for for the way he handles things. So let's go around the table. I want to get your predictions for the series. Then, uh, starting with Brendan, uh, what can we expect? Uh, what do you? How do you expect the Jays to do against Baltimore? Uh, they always play Baltimore tough. Baltimore always plays Toronto tough. Definitely a series that they each circle uh, on the calendar every single year when the schedule comes out. 
uh, you got to take two out of three. If you don't take two out of three from Baltimore, then uh, that's off to a bad start in this crucial four game. You know what? If they beat Gosman tomorrow, I would not be surprised if they if they sweep Baltimore. Yeah. But I'm going the safe way, taking two out of three. What about you, Sam? <laughs> um, I'm hoping we take one at this point. Um, I would love for us to sweep them, but um, the Jays have a remarkable knack to lose games they're supposed to win and win games they're supposed to lose. And this has one of those you should win written all over it, which makes me automatically very, very nervous about how we will actually perform. What about you, Chris? How do you respond to that? Are you the middle ground? Yeah, well... I'm going to have to go with Brennan on this one. I, I'm thinking, you know, I'd, like to, I'd love to see a sweep, and I think the Gosman game uh, tomorrow is going to be imperative for that. But uh, I'd like to see them take two or three. I believe they can. And honestly, at this point, you know, if they go into this series and lose two or three or if they get swept, then that's going to be really, really indicative of the remainder of the season. So if there's any reason to be motivated, it's now. Um, they're coming off a feel-good ending to the game on Sunday with Osuna returning to the mound, and I'm hoping that just the momentum from – from from all the positive things that happened over the weekend, um, I'm hoping that can just carry them to a successful series. Let's hope the starters can keep it going because they really set a good trend over Kansas City. Half going seven, uh, Liriano pitching six strong into the seventh yesterday, and then Estrada pitching seven strong. So if the rotation keeps it going, I don't see why they can't take two or three for sure. Well, and Estrada's leading off on the Boston series, which immediately follows. So that could be that could also be one of those crucial games, especially given how he struggled lately. I'm wondering, um, Sam, what do you attribute Marco Estrada's recent struggles to primarily what you've seen? Uh, for me, it's just lack of command. I was there watching the game uh, against the Rangers, and just his pitches weren't there. Pitches that would normally come inside were going outside, and I don't know whether that's a mix of him not locating them correctly or them just being called wrong, but he was he was putting up a lot more balls than he was strikes, and even if he was later then coming to strike them out or getting them to ground out, he's spending six to seven pitches in a bat because he'd get himself into holes or he would just end up losing them with the count. Um, I really think he, at least there, he just was not efficient at locating pitches and keeping his pitch count low. Yeah, I totally agree. I think location, just the command of his fastball in particular, is, is just been uh, the thing that's really sent him in a downward spiral lately. Because if he's not commanding his fastball, he doesn't have the stuff, um, especially with that, with that pitch in particular. He doesn't have uh, the kind of fastball that you can afford to leave over the plate. And when he does, he gets beat up like he has lately. Yeah, I left his fastball up a lot in that Texas series. That can't set up the changeup. Uh, bad combination. If he's not uh, locating his fastball and, and keeping it too up in the zone, got to throw low down in the zone for a guy who doesn't throw very hard. Hit the corners. Wasn't hitting the corners either, but that Kansas City start sh- showed a lot. It looked like he was uh, finally turning it around again. Good fastball location. Set up the changeup really nicely. And he even dropped in some curveballs too. Breaking ball looked really good on Saturday. Well, gentlemen, this has been as uh, educating as it has been insightful for I'm sure a lot of our listeners pre- series. Uh, I want to go in order now, starting with Chris, uh, then uh, Sam, then Brendan. Tell us what you're working on in terms of any articles that you have on the horizon and what fans should uh, and listeners of the show should look for on Journal. Yeah, you know what? I put out an article earlier today just talking about uh, talking about the bullpen and uh, possibly looking at adding something else, which is kind of further to our discussion here. Um, I felt like we missed uh, maybe a potential opportunity seeing um, um, Neftali Feliz was available a week ago. I felt like he might have been a guy that could have been a bounce back candidate. So I was just going to take a look at uh, some of the some of the guys that we've acquired for a low cost over the last decade or so, and just what they've contributed. So you know, looking at guys like uh, you know Joaquin 
I can always, I always have trouble saying his name, but Benoit and what Greeley brought to the table when he came over and that sort of thing. And I'm working on, well, I guess I got my normal American League East recap, which uh, should be out tomorrow. Um, don't have anything else on the horizon, but if Jays fans are feeling down, Yankees have posted a same win-loss record we did during the first two weeks of the season. So have to feel okay about that. Absolutely. That's good to know for sure. Uh, yeah, I put uh, I wrote something earlier today before I came on, uh, just talking about the next 13 games. Something not too in depth, just a little uh, over thing where if they set themselves up nicely, front office will buy. Uh, if they don't, front office will do a partial rebuild uh, or um, kind of do a little bit of both. Uh, but honestly, I've said this before when I've gone on podcasts and been asked what I'm writing about. I think about it the day of. I just go through, sit at work, and it's like, hmm, well, it'd be good to write about like tonight. And, uh, well, <laughs> and you know what? It it's funny you say that because uh, I think the last, like, three times Ari's asked me that question, I've gone ahead and written something completely different. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's generally what I do, too. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I just can't get the right answer out of him. It's always something yeah. intriguing. I love it. I love it. Gents, this has been a pleasure having you on this roundtable. A reminder to fans of Jay's Journal and listeners that Chris Henderson can be found on Twitter at Baseball for Brains. Brendan Panikar can be found at Panikar37. And Sam Bruce can be found at Calm underscore Bruce. Have a wonderful evening. Hope to have you on the show again soon. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Ari. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ari.